This is Annie Grace and welcome to this Naked Mind podcast. Today I did a special bonus podcast. I went live uh, talking all about this idea of like, help, the coronavirus is making me drink and how to handle this whole thing that's happening in our world right now. So I'm going to play this for you because I think it's, you know, as a bonus episode, it's just so important to hold ourselves with compassion and caring right now. So I hope you enjoy. Hello. Hello, everybody. I hope that you are doing well, as well as can be during this crazy, 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 crazy time. Nothing like this has literally ever happened before, probably in any of our lives. And um, I got, I keep getting the same question. And this is the question is basically, I don't know what to do. I feel so ashamed. I'm so upset with myself. I drank, I got too stressed and I drank. And, you know, a variety of things, whether it was in the house, someone wrote in and they basically said like, I was heard the liquor stores were going to close. So I went to get some just in case and ended up drinking, you know, two bottles of wine, or I went out for my, my husband, or I just got afraid and all of this stuff. So, oh my gosh. So the coronavirus made you drink and now you feel awful. And now you're like, what do I do next? And, and how can I handle this? And now this is piled up to everything, especially because by the way, I was doing so good and I'd had so much time and I hadn't dealt with this amount of stress before. And so I want to just talk about this for a few minutes. And then I want to answer as many questions as I can um, before I have to go record a podcast in 40 minutes. So I'm going to try to answer as many of your questions as I can. So if you have questions, definitely put them in the chat. So first of all, you know, a slip up here, drinking because of something like this is no different than any other type of drinking. And this is when more than anything else, the rubber hits the road when you have grace and compassion for yourself. The science says it so incredibly clearly, like it is crystal clear that compassion led change, especially self-compassion is more effective than any other kind of change. We can only beat ourselves up into changing for a certain amount of time and then it just stops working. Okay. And so we have to lead with grace. We have to lead with compassion. We have to figure out what that looks like for us. And when I say those words, you might be like, okay, well, what does that actually mean? That means literally listening to the words that are happening in your head. I'm so stupid. I can't believe I did that. I should have been stronger and writing them down and say, would I say this to my next door neighbor? Would I say this to a stranger? Would I say this to my child? Maybe some of us would, (laughs) especially now. They're at home with us all day long. Um, But would I say this to someone I truly loved? And if you wouldn't, you have to cross it off the list. You have no right to talk to yourself in a way that is less kind than you would talk to a stranger. Yeah, all of us do it all the time. We're not even aware that we're doing it. We don't even listen for these words, right? And so listen to the words, become aware of them, A, in the ACT technique, if if you've done that with me before. And maybe it's, I should have been stronger right? Then I want you to ask yourself about those words that you've realized, wow, I'm not being as kind to myself as I am to a stranger. And by the way, pen to paper, like literally writing them down is so important because it just dumps it out of your brain, filters it out, put it all out there. You know, we, we allow this stuff to take up so much space and it's this repetitive insanity yet we have at our disposal a download button, literally, like you can download all the crap, put it on paper and then get some distance. It is simple 
you can do it without internet. Our internet went off this morning. Our kids were freaking out because they had to be in their online classes. They got marked absence. We had to call the teachers. It was a whole thing. You can do this without internet. Just download your thoughts, write them down. Let's take one of those. I should have been stronger. I shouldn't have drank, right? What's wrong with me? And I want you to say, how do those thoughts make me feel and how do they make me behave? And again, if you've done the act, that's the C. How do they make me feel and how do they make me behave? You're exploring it. Now, something like I should have been stronger. It makes you feel like a failure. It makes you feel weak. It makes you feel something that, by the way, you have no control over anymore because who did that? Your past self or the self that you can control, which is the self that's sitting in this chair right here in this moment, your past self. What good does beating up your past self even do? I mean, really, like, does that ever make you change in the future? Maybe very, very rarely. And if you do, you're generally changing, not because you want to, but because you just don't want to get beat up anymore, right? I mean, think of it like, and so you say, how does it make me feel and how does it make me behave? And that I should have been stronger makes you feel weak. It makes you feel powerless. Weakness feels like no power. Do people with power feel like they can make changes next time? No, they don't. They feel like, what the hell? I might as well just drink again tonight because obviously I'm not strong enough anyway. So, so pay a lot of attention. Now, is it going to be painful to see how those thoughts that you're thinking in beating yourself up make you feel and make you behave? Yes, it is. But you have to do it. And here's why. Your brain has many layers in it. And one of those layers is going to be like your automatic conditioning or your subconscious. Think of it this way. If you were to touch a candle flame and it hurt, you're never going to touch it again. When you show your brain the cost of a thought that by the way, doesn't sound like a particularly negative thought. I should have been stronger. I shouldn't have drank. Like that doesn't sound like a particularly negative thought, but you show your brain the cost of that thought and your brain says, Oh, wow, I'm gonna stay away from that because that hurts. Because guess what? Your brain doesn't want you to hurt. It likes to avoid pain. That's one of the things the brain likes to do, right? Which is why you got yourself into this mess in the first place. You were just doing the best you could with the tools you had. You were just trying to avoid the pain of the insanity that is the world right now. That's okay. Don't worry. That's a normal human response. It's totally okay, okay? So you take that thought, you find out how it made you feel, how it made you behave. You realize it made you feel powerless and it's because you feel powerless, you're not gonna feel strong enough to make a better choice in the future. And then you find a new thought and it has to be a thought you can believe, okay? So I should have been stronger. Maybe that thought becomes, huh, I drank and it wasn't worth it. Because that is really true for you right now. If you're writing me, <laughs> you're saying it wasn't worth it. You're wishing you did something different. How does that thought make you feel? I drank, but it wasn't worth it. Well, you take total ownership for it. You actually feel more power in that thought because you take ownership for your behavior. You realize that you did it. I made that choice. I had the control and I made that choice. But is there shame in that? Is there blame? Is that ugly, ugly, ugly word should in that thought? By the way, you should question every thought with the word should, literally every single one. That is an ugly word. It is a weapon of shame and blame and it should be eliminated from your internal and probably external vocabulary immediately. Homework. But how does that, I drank and I wish I hadn't. I drank and it wasn't worth it. Okay, now we're operating in reality. We're not operating in this highly emotional state of blaming. And by the way, when we blame ourselves, we become both the blamer 
and the what? The victim. Do victims have power? No, right? When we make ourselves a victim to our circumstance, to the world, to our own thoughts, to our own behavior, especially, we actually rob ourselves of our power. Ouch, that sucks. And so that new thought, okay, I drank and it wasn't worth it. Does that mean you may never drink again during this coronavirus? No, but it means you've put down the weapons of shame and blame and you've opened up the possibility that the next time you're faced with drinking, you can actually have a real logical prefrontal cortex type conversation with yourself instead of this irrational, hysterical, upset, emotional, like, well, I did it before, whatever, I can't even do it anyway, and just going down the rabbit hole of the victim and the shame and the blame, right? And so just try on those thoughts, get really conscious of how you're talking to yourself. So, so grace first. Second thing I want to talk about is I just want to say like, be willing to fail and learn that every single thing that happens, if you treat it with compassion, it's a data point. It's not a life sentence. Okay. And so if you drank, maybe it's the first time, maybe you've been doing the alcohol experiment, right? And we're on, um, what day is it today? It's the 17th. So we're on 17 days, right? And so out of the last 17 days, I'm going to do this math here. You drank one time. Okay. So, so you have a 95% success rate. <laughs> that's pretty good. What? That's pretty good. Like that's pretty good. 95. That's an A. That's an A plus, I believe. Like that's pretty good. So put it into perspective here. You've been doing great stuff. These are hard times. Now, if you drink tomorrow, your success rate will go down and you can make that choice, but think about it in that perspective. This isn't, the, one of the things that makes me craziest about the whole sobriety, recovery, all that stuff is that where else in the entire world do we look at something where 100% is success and 99% is failure? Where? We don't do that. That is not okay. That is not how humans work. You know, I love, I was listening to Tom Bilyeu. Um, I was at a conference and I was actually speaking at the same conference that he was speaking at. And so I had the opportunity to watch him on stage and he's super motivational. And he was telling this story about how artificial intelligence learns how to play chess. And he's like, what they do is they, they you know, upload the instructions and then they upload a practice board and the artificial intelligence, the computer goes through and what do they do? They fail and they fail and they try something else and they fail and they try something else and they fail and they fail and they fail and they fail. And do they ever say, oh my gosh, I am the dumbest computer in the world. I can't believe this. I shouldn't have done it. I should have been stronger. I should have known this already. No. They don't, they understand that the failure is the path to the success, okay? You can take this mistake and you can say, that's not even a mistake, that's a data point. That's a place where if I treat myself with grace and compassion, which are, by the way, they feel better and they're the science-led things that are going to get you out of this mess in the first place, I can take it and I can actually make this the jumping off point for which everything else happens because I can look at it and I say, what did I learn? Okay, I learned maybe I shouldn't go to the liquor store. <laughs> I learned maybe that when I'm highly emotional, I should take a few deep breaths first. I learned that maybe I need to journal before I do this. How can I help myself? How can I move from this, oh, shouldn't have done that, I'm so mad at myself, victim place to, okay, I did it, I did it, cool. What am I gonna do now? 
How can I empower myself by putting down the weapons of shame and blame, by looking at what happened, square in the face and say, what can I control here? How can I learn? How can I stop beating myself up, right? We think that beating ourselves up is effective because in the moment, it's a relief. If I'm just mad enough at myself, if I just have enough guilt and regret, I let myself off the hook. But it doesn't because blame always takes away our power to change. And blaming ourselves again, it puts you both in the victim role and, and in the, the role of the person who's blaming. So it's just not a good thing. So be willing to fail. Look at this as a data point. Change your language, especially your internal language, and understand that all of this can really come together to make something beautiful in your life. Like this opportunity that we're, we've been given to be home and not be able to go out and have to connect with each other in weird, crazy ways like online and just to have more time and be more present, like it can be an opportunity because you alone with you, like you're the wisest person you know for your own life, but there's been a lot of stuff that has been bombarded into you that's keeping you from that wisdom. And I would argue that alcohol is, is one of those things. And so allowing all of it to come up, all of it to come out, again, I highly recommend pen and paper when you're doing it, is really an opportunity here. So, all right, I wanna see if you guys have any questions. Um, hello, good morning from Sydney. Uh, awesome, yay. Hi, Carrie. So great. Oh, so good to see you, Carrie. Um, don't shit all over yourself. Yes, don't shit all over yourself. So good. Oh, sorry, guys. I'm just going to. All right. Does anybody have any questions? It looks like I'm, I'm super happy to stay on and answer any questions if anything is coming in or anybody has any questions. So yeah, we are all so good at beating ourselves up, you guys. We are so good hello. at it. We, <laughs> my daughter is gonna say hello too. Hello. <laughs> do you have any questions? Does it say does? It, do you have any questions? Um. Um, my kitchen. Your your kitchen. You're gonna yes. go play your kitchen. Yeah. Okay. Can you make me a cup of coffee? No. Yeah. <laughs> all right, you guys. Well, uh, yes. Please don't beat yourself up. Um, I can't believe there's no questions. Really? Am I just behind on the comments? I just want to say thank you. You're so welcome. You're so welcome. And if you guys haven't yet, please do join the alcohol experiment. Um, you can always join it for free at alcoholexperiment.com. It's a great time. It's literally a great time to join it. Every single day, you'll get video from me, a, an email from me, and you'll join a community of over 110,000 people who are, who are doing the same sort of thing or have done the same sort of thing. There's some incredible um, people who have already done it who are coming back in to just provide support. You'll be with each other. Uh, it has online journaling, so you can just get all those thoughts out of your head. And um, it's a really, really phenomenal, phenomenal program. Lori, how can I help other people? Oh, Lori, that's such a good question. Um, I think the best way to help other people is, you know, create spaces like this. So Zoom or Skype or Google Hangouts, like what I would do. And I've actually been telling all of our certified Naked Mind coaches to do the same thing. And, and we might be able to um, actually put together something more formally, but just go on to your Facebook page, even if it's just with some friends or some local people and say, hey, I'm going live just opening up a room to chat or hang out. Maybe you have a few topics you want to talk about. Maybe you just want to open up the space for people. Maybe you want to make it an out, a sober curious conversation. Maybe you want to 
have a topic like the role of alcohol in our lives, no judgment, just show up, um, whatever the case is, and just create that that space for people um, to to just show up virtually where we can't infect each other and we can just talk and and be really open zoom is amazing uh because you you can interact face to face you know it, it's obviously on your computer but it's really a powerful technology and i think just in general like make sure not to preach um i did a i did the first video i did on the coronavirus and i stand behind it but the first one i did the first facebook live you know, I really talked about alcohol in the immune system and it's real and it's true. And I know that there's people out there who are like, okay, I want to do whatever I can to protect themselves. And they, they don't necessarily like they're taking or leave it with alcohol, but they don't realize that alcohol affects all five of the major, major functions of your immune system. And, um, and sometimes that's good, but often when we are stressed, we drink more because it's the tool that we've been given for stress, right? Now that tool as you know, if you've been around my work any period of time or read any of the science, it doesn't actually do what it says. It does not relieve stress. It provides a very short-term numbing feeling and tipsy feeling for about 20 to 30 minutes. And then you have two to three hours of kind of a crash. But if you drink the next drink, you can kind of keep that feeling going. Not, not quite like at the beginning, but you can keep it feeling going to some extent. And then you wake up more stressed because the result of alcohol is a depressant and your body says, I need to counteract that. It releases stimulants in your body. Some of those stimulants are cortisol and adrenaline, which are highly anxious <laughs> internal chemicals that make you feel really out of control. So alcohol truly does scientifically, neurologically, biochemically increase your anxiety and your stress. However, if you go to somebody who is already stressed and you start talking and they're using alcohol because for me in my life i felt like alcohol was the duct tape keeping everything together i have a a girlfriend and she posted yesterday a picture of it was five boxes of wine and a huge bottle of rye and it was like hoarding coronavirus i'm prepared hashtag 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 and it was literally like 14 bottles of wine or 12 or no wait five times four is 20 bottles of wine plus plus the liquor and, um, and I'm like, is this a cry for help or is this just still a joke? But that would have been me. Like, that would have been me. I would have been like, oh my gosh, this is the only thing that's going to keep me sane. You know, I, I'm starting to hear about all sorts of moms, you know, taking and putting a little liquor in their coffee in the morning because it's like, okay, I'm homeschooling today. The kids are here. I need to get through this. And um, if we come with a, that's wrong, that's bad. This is bad for your immune system. This is awful message. We're going to increase the stress because when I was in that, believing that alcohol was the duct tape holding my whole life together, I was not at a place where I was open to those messages because I didn't know how to change. So the messages that are best to come with is there's nothing wrong with you. You're doing the best you can with the tools you have. And hey, do you want some other alternatives or do you want some other ideas? And um, really come with the easiest, gentlest, least scary message you can possibly come with. So, um, Jenny, how do you redist re redirect catastrophic thoughts? Ah, oh, such a good one. So um, first is very simply becoming aware of them. And again, I would take the pen and I would download everything in your brain onto a piece of paper. Become aware of your catastrophic thoughts. Say, okay, and then go through, go back through your list, look at them all. Okay, so maybe you have like, we're all gonna die, <laughs> or this is gonna be horrible, life's never gonna be the same, my business is gonna tank, what about all the poor people? Oh my, like all of these things, we've all had them, they're so intense and they're so overwhelming. And you go back through and you circle 
the ones that make you feel the most, right? And come up with the few that make you feel the most. And you're doing that because that's where you want to start. And what you do is you take that thought and you say, how does this make me feel? And how does it make me behave? This is showing your brain the cost of that thought. So if the thought is, um, we're all going to die, <laughs> that's your catastrophic thought. Let's go to the worst possible one. Right. And, and you're like, this just makes me panic. How does this make me feel and behave? It makes me feel like what's even the point? Like I definitely should be buying like 50 bottles of wine because at least I'm going to go out drunk because this hurts too bad because I'm so scared. All this stuff. See the cost. Show yourself the cost. Take the time to show yourself the cost of that thought. And then you want to come up with a turnaround. This is the ACT. So awareness is writing it down. Clarity is what is it making me feel? How is it making me behave? And then turnaround is what is another thought that I can think that feels just a little bit better. We're not looking for no one's going to die because that's not true. And if you have, if you try to turn around, we're all going to die to nobody's going to die. You're going to create an internal battle. You're going to create a neurological war and you're actually going to make yourself more stressed. So you don't want to do that. You want to find a thought that like you can believe that makes you feel a little bit better, right? So what if you think, okay, there, this is scary. People are dying, but by staying home, I am doing the best I can to save lives. Because what if that thought, if that's true for you, maybe you're not staying home, so maybe it's by washing my hands or by having the hand sanitizer, like I'm doing the best I can to save lives. I'm doing my part to help. How does that make you feel and behave? So take that turnaround and run it back through. And then here's the key. You have to start practicing that actively. Now, this is another thing about alcohol is those catastrophic thoughts. It's much harder to stop check them, turn them around when you're drinking, right? Now you can turn them off, but then they run when you're asleep and they run when you're waking up and you feel your anxiety and it's starting to go up and up and up. But when you're not drinking and when you have full control of this beautiful thing between our ears, which yes, can cause us a lot of drama, but also can be, you know, tamed and used for good. You have full control. You can every, we're all going to die. No, you know what? Right now in this moment, I'm doing the best I can. In fact, I'm going to go wash my hands and make myself feel a little bit better. And just really turning it around and practicing that new thought, okay? Practicing that new thought. And really like stopping it, hearing it, and practicing that new thought. And then find other turnarounds that actually make you feel better too. Is like, you know, we're working really hard as a world to contain this. I mean, the global effort to contain what's happening right now is unmatched. And by the way, one of the things that's happening in this entire situation is just we have more transparency and knowledge than we ever have before in any instance like this in human history. I believe the last pandemic was AIDS. And even then, we, we didn't have this. We didn't have FaceTime or Facebook uh, Lives or instant media or <laughs> social media or anything. So we're all at this leading edge of of watching this unfold, whereas that used to be that the information was managed rightly or wrongly, and it was only given out as needed, right? As needed information literally doesn't exist anymore. So just understand too, that what's coming at us is more intense than ever before, and use that to turn around a thought like, okay, like we are actually probably doing, we're probably doing more now in this instance than we've ever even been able to do in the entire history of the world because of how quickly we all can react to what um, people who are trying to keep us safe are telling us to do. So that's something to be celebrated, right? Like that's really important. And, and so just turning around those thoughts, but it's really important that you don't just battle your thoughts with um, 
exactly the opposite thought. So uh, Debbie says this virus is the first time I've been tempted to drink at all. I think it's true for a lot of us, Debbie. I think um, the, the fact that things feel so out of control, you're like, oh, can I, can I stay this? Um, so Catherine says, I don't have the luxury to stay home. I work in the emergency room, so I'm in the middle of it all. What can I do to help myself? Catherine, first, uh, just really sincere gratitude. I mean, thank you. Thank you. Um, that's like amazing. And to all of our healthcare workers, like, wow, you guys are, are incredible and on the front lines. And I think the same applies, you know, just to say that, um, turn, like maybe the thought that you're having is I'm in the center of it all. There's no way I'm going to avoid being sick. I would write that thought down and be like, how does that make me feel? How does it make me behave? You know, how is it, how is it helping me to give? And maybe the thought that you come up with is I'm in the center of it all and I'm doing everything I can to help this, you know, be done and over as soon as possible. I'm in the center of it all and I'm, I'm doing everything I can every day to serve the people who need me. And maybe you're not addressing like that you might get sick, but maybe that thought is something that you can really say, oh, and I'm doing a good thing and that's good. And that can redirect you away from your own internal anxiety into the service, you know, because one of the beautiful things about humans is we do feel less anxiety when we start to think about other people, when we start to serve other people. So again, thank you so, so very much. Um, Aaron, is there any use to responding to all the I must drink memes on Facebook? This is such a good question, Aaron. And I think that I would say no. Um, and here's why. I mean, even I, I told you earlier about the the picture my friend posted about like the 20 bottles of wine and it was like two bottles of rye or something. I don't even know what rye is. I guess I'm out of the loop with the new alcohols or maybe that's an old alcohol, who knows? But anyway, uh, I thought about like, I thought a lot about this. I was like, should I say something? I'm definitely not gonna laugh, but then I was like, you know what? The truth is, is that again, any message that's gonna increase stress or guilt or fear is probably just going to make the problem worse. So I would do, you know, like I suggested earlier, like if you want to just say, hey guys, I'm having a Skype get together or Google Hangouts, here's the link, it's 6 p.m. and I'm talking about the role of alcohol during the coronavirus, or I'm talking about parenting at home and alcohol and the coronavirus, or whatever it is, just pick a topic. You're qualified, you're a human, you're in the middle of this. <laughs> There's no qualification here. Just open up a room and just from a heart of kindness and compassion, allow people to talk. You know, sometimes listening is the best thing. And just do that to combat this stuff is, is providing a, a space or, you know, just provide your own story. So that's something, you know, so important, like really sitting here and saying, okay, how can I relate? Like, oh, I get it. Like I, that would have been me, you know, and maybe that's something that instead of, instead of responding in this way, that's like, oh, this is so depressing that this happening or anything that, that's remotely judgmental, be like, oh my gosh, I totally relate to you. That would have been me um, up until recently. Love you so much, you know? And just saying like, here I am, totally get it. So much compassion, but I'm not there anymore. And then she can reach out if she wants. So anyway, I love that question. Oh, yay, Carrie. Thank you. Um, Chloe, uh, I'd love to be a Naked Mind coach. Have I missed the boat on that for now? Um, we do, we're doing a six month program. We just finished the first month of that. And so we will open it up again in the future. Uh, but absolutely. So if you're on, not on my newsletter list yet, just go to this and, um, I think backslash newsletter and just sign up for that. And then you'll get information on that for sure. Or just follow here either way. So, but that's great. 
Um, so Mel, I had a weekend blip after 14 months. How do I move on and get the focus back? Okay, so I just want to do this math for you. Okay, so 14 months, let's say that that is um, 365 days plus, let's say it's 62 days. So that's 427 days. And then it was a weekend blip. So let's say, let's say it was a three-day blip. Three days divided by 427. Okay, you are at a 99.3% success rate, Mel. Like, really? That's incredible. What you did over a weekend does not take away 14 months. It does not. You now know how to live alcohol-free. You've been there before. The worst thing you can do is to beat yourself up about this because it's going to create all sorts of reasons. You don't have to move on from this. You can just be like, okay, well, I was being human. Hmm, that's cool. And guess what? Was it worth it? No. So I'm going to make a better decision tomorrow. That's it. That's it. It's just up to you to let it go. It's just up to you to, to decide that you're going to grow from this. You're going to use it as a data point and you're not going to use it as a tool of shame and blame to keep yourself stuck. Because I can tell you that those things, the shame and the blame, they keep you stuck. Absolutely. So, um, Sadia, I just finished uh, 30 days on the alcohol experiment. I loved it. I wonder what point is you have to move forward after the 30 days. Um, so I actually have 100 days of videos. So you can find that at thisnakedmind.com. Just it's called 100 Days of Lasting Change. Every single day is basically like a, um, it's like a whole smorgasbord of ways to make change stick. It's phenomenal. Uh, what I would say most importantly, though, is in the 30-day experiment, it's make your plan. Make your carrots, make your sticks, make what your intention is and what your plan is and build on success. So follow that really closely. And the most important thing is try not to just mindlessly drink. That's where we always get ourselves in trouble. If you want to drink, say, you know what? I really want to drink. And if tomorrow I really want to drink, then maybe I'll let it happen. But today I'm going to journal. Today I'm going to decide. And don't let yourself mindlessly or in the moment have that drink. And just give yourself some space between the desire and the fulfillment of that desire. And that by itself can just keep people completely where they want to. So anyway, oh, Annette, I feel for you. And don't beat yourself up. Just watch this again and again. And remember that all of these things, you know, in your life, there's probably been lots of hard things and probably they've made you stronger. And things that are the most beautiful, like diamonds, for instance, they're created under pressure. And so how we react in the pressure and what we focus on really defines, you know, what the next steps are going to be. And I would just focus here and now, not on the mistakes, but on the, okay, well, what's next for me? How can this be a positive thing? Um, really intense. Oh, you guys, such a good questions. If I have not What's my favorite mocktail to share with the moms for stress relief? So I love, um, uh, I love just soda water with cranberry juice and fresh limes. That's my absolute favorite all time drink. I drink that all the time. I think it's phenomenal. Um, I also really right now I'm drinking some like chai tea mix, which is really good. Um, although now it's cold, but I'm drinking some chai tea mix. I think that's really, really yummy and good. And, um, oh, these are so good. You guys, I'm going to come back and answer the questions in the chat if I don't get to them all. Um, I'm just trying to figure out, oh, I have a woodpecker outside. Yay, Angela, I'm so glad. Good. Rewatch this if you need to. I'm going to try to, I'm, I'm trying to figure out a plan for how we can just, 
have lots more of these types of forums and hopefully even Zoom calls for people. Um, all right, Lucy, I have one question. My neighbor is homeschooling her two children and she posted she needs a few quarantinis to deal with her kids. Should I step in and ask her to babysit so she can have mommy time or is that just justifying her behavior? Lucy, I think um, if you can do that with an open and uh, really loving heart, then that's amazing. And it's not justifying her behavior. You're showing up for, for another person. Remember, like that would have been me. I would have been having all the quarantinis. I probably would have coined the phrase. <laughs> Maybe not, but um, it, and so she's doing the best she can with the tool she has. She just doesn't know what you know yet. And so you showing up in love, even if it's to give her time to go have her quarantinis is an act of love that she is going to feel. And she's going, how, wow, how she's so calm, how she's so together. What's going on with Lucy? Huh? Maybe I'll ask her. And maybe I'll ask her when I'm hungover the next day, because that didn't feel very good. So there's going to be a spike, you guys, in, in alcohol sales. There already is. And there's going to be a spike in pain and regret and shame and guilt. Okay? And, and that's where all of us, all of us who are already like, yeah, you know, I'm making the best choice for myself. How you show up here is going to count. You showing up at peace you know, doing the best you can, really loving on people, not judging them, knowing that they're doing the best they can, that's gonna count. Nobody ever asks for advice. No, sorry. Nobody ever takes advice they don't ask for, all right? It's like true, like almost 100% of the time. You don't sincerely take advice you don't ask for. So the best thing you can do is just be present and keep the conversation going. If they have to tell you all about all their quarantinis and their drama and their stress, just be present, just keep the conversation going. And when they ask you, oh yeah, well, I actually stopped because it was really stressing me out too and I realized it was contributing and I'm just happier now. And you know, what can I tell you about it? Is there anything you wanna know? Put, give them the power. People feel defensive when we start to like, attack them with information. I know this just because I did it <laughs> so much for so long. But when we back up and we say, okay, okay, what do you want to know? You tell me. People all of a sudden feel empowered and they're much more open to receiving. So that's such a beautiful question, Lucy. I love that. Um, I think that, oh, I had something else to say along. Oh, not only do people never take advice that they're not, um, that they don't ask for, but it is literally impossible to influence someone when you're judging them. So just keep that in mind, especially if you want to help. Like it is really hard to influence someone when you're judging them. Now, when you show up with compassion, like I remember this in my early days too, there was a lot of judgment inside of me because I was like, I, I just saw the new way and I couldn't believe nobody else saw this. I, I didn't remember that I just took 13 months of research <laughs> to see this new way. Maybe you didn't remember, you just read like an almost 300 page book or went through a 30 day experiment or whatever to see this new way. And so I just had so much judgment. But when I, when I really realized, oh my gosh, that would have been me. And guess what? They're on the part in their journey that needs to happen for them right now in order for them to progress to where they need to go. Often, unfortunately, things do need to get worse before they get better. The, this, what's happening in our world right now, is gonna make things worse for a lot of people with alcohol. And then they're gonna be really curious about what you're doing and why you're showing up in such a different way. And that's our opportunity to make things better, but you can't influence people that you are judging. So, oh, yes, Kate is so amazing. Thanks, Eleanor, that's beautiful. Um, 
Yes, get the videos. Okay, alcoholexperiment.com is totally free. It always will be every day. It's a daily email. It's a daily video. This could be your thing. And even if you don't want to stop drinking, going through those daily emails and daily videos is just phenomenal. Really, really good. Um, Donna, is it okay to ask someone, a friend or a loved one, if they've been drinking? This is a very good question. What is your motivation? <laughs> if, if your motivation is anything to get them to admit something or back them into a corner, um, and how will it make them feel, right? And because what you want people to feel from you is love so that when they want to ask about it, they come to you. People don't go to people they feel judged by. They don't go to people they feel incriminated by. This is like with parents and kids, right? If you, if your kids feel like when you tell them something that's happening at school in the playground, you're like, I can't believe it. This is awful. Oh my gosh, I'm calling so-and-so's parent. What do they learn? They learn I'm never going to you again. You're not gonna know what's happening in the playground anymore. It's the same situation. What we wanna do is be the ones that when this person is like, oh, I've hit something. This is a wall, this doesn't feel good. I knew help, who can I call? Oh, Donna, I can call Donna because Donna's always been so amazing. Now, if, if you're about to get in their car, yes. <laughs> Certainly ask them if they've been drinking, okay? But just question your motivations, um, awesome. All right, you guys are amazing. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in. I'm gonna go record my podcast and just be gentle with yourselves. Be gentle, gentle, gentle. Catch yourself. Do not say anything inside your own head that you wouldn't say to someone you love. All right.